focus on computer networking and technology. We get involved in the community as much as we can. From supporting the Vermont Chamber to the Mountaineers baseball team, RB Technologies cares not only about the customers, but about the community. The team at RB Technologies knows it's all about building lasting relationships. Call 223-4448 or online at rbtechvt.com. When you think of business technology and communications, think of RB Technologies. It's time to get the story behind the story. Interviews with newsmakers, newsbreakers, and your phone calls. Radio Vermont presents The Mark Johnson Show. Thank you, Jim Condy. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program. Thanks for tuning in. It is Friday. We're here at the State House in Montpelier. It is crunch time, my friends. We're uh, here in what we anticipate will be the final Friday. We're here to, uh, really up in the air today on how much longer lawmakers will be here. The, uh, I know legislative leaders want everybody to get out of here by tomorrow, but uh, as it is at this time of the year, it is that magical time of the year when everything seems to be up in the air. So uh, when that will happen, we will find out, in fact, today. Uh, in just a moment here, we'll kick off our discussion. We'll talk with Speaker Schaaf Smith. The uh, Senate president will be joining us coming up shortly. Uh, I've also been uh, chatting with a bunch of other folks here this morning. Uh, including um, Senator Kevin Mullen I spoke to this morning. Uh, I would encourage you to uh, join us for uh, that interview. I spoke with him about uh, Senator Norm McAllister. We'll uh, take your phone calls this morning on the program as well. You can reach us at 244-1777. That's our local number in central Vermont. Toll free 877-291-8255. want to thank the speaker for joining us on the program again this morning and uh, for uh, your access throughout the course of this year. Good morning. Good morning, Mark. How are you? I'm good. So, uh, well, more importantly, how are you and where do things stand? Um, give us a uh, rundown here of um, where, where do things stand here Friday morning at 9.05. Well, I think that almost everything is near closure uh, except for the revenue bill and uh, the budget bill. So um, I'm feeling pretty confident that we can um, close those by the end of the day and be out of here tomorrow. Okay. How close are you on the tax bill? The numbers have actually gone down, which is good news. Only $30 million you need instead of 35 Right. So let's uh, remember what happened at the beginning of the session. The governor put on the table about $112 million worth of taxes, um, you know, needed uh, $35 million to support the general fund, uh, put on the table another uh, uh, $460 million for health care. Um, the House uh, whittled back um, what we thought was a a pretty large tax increase proposed by the governor, um, and uh, we're looking at about 30 million of uh, general fund, and uh, we're also looking at uh, 10 million dollars for um, healthcare or somewhere around there. The uh, I'm interested that you're saying how laying out all the tax proposals that the governor laid out because he did the same thing a week ago and really kind of pointing the finger back at Montpelier, saying it's you guys who are the big tax spenders. Well, you know, it it's a long time since January. Um, and sometimes people forget what was put on the table um, at the beginning of the session. Um, you know, but it was this. Uh, look, I, I want to be clear. I actually thought that the governor's proposal made some sense. I thought it addressed the cost shift. But you can't ignore the fact that it was an incredibly large tax increase that was proposed. And uh, so the the thirty million. What the the latest 
proposal that I heard was this idea of uh, removing the, the deduction for state income taxes from the previous year, capping deductions at uh, twice the standard deduction, but removing charity and medical uh, provisions. Is that the latest? Well, that's, I think, what the Senate proposed. Okay. Uh, and I know that the House is considering that. Um, and so uh, we have not made any decisions about whether that's something that we would um, adopt or not. Okay. W why not? What do you mean? Why not? Yeah. Uh, because the conferees have not made a decision about whether they think that's the right way to go or not. Okay. And whether, first of all, whether it's good policy. Um, second, whether it's uh, too complicated. Um, and third, whether it raises the amount of money that's necessary to support the general fund. Okay. Where are things on the budget side? I think that the budget is pretty close to closing. So it's really about the revenue bill. All right. few others out there on the table as well, too, including... Uh, one that seemed as though it was moving along this energy bill that yesterday kind of got caught up in the Senate. Is this, First of all, is this a bill that has to pass? Well, it doesn't. No bill has passed except for the budget and the health care or the uh, revenue bill. Um, the consequences of not passing that bill could be pretty detrimental for the ratepayers in Burlington and uh, I think maybe in the Green Mountain Power uh, Territory because of the consequences of not being able to sell the renewable energy credits and what that would mean on rates. Um, my understanding is that it could result in a pretty large uh, tax, or not tax increase, but rate increase yeah. in uh, Burlington. Okay. But does it have to pass this year? Can you do it next year? Why not? Why not? It's a 2017 seemed to be the magic year when there would be a problem. Uh, well, it's not clear to me whether uh, the rec market uh, becomes problematic if we don't pass it this year. Um, there's some indication that it could be a problem. Um, and if that's a problem, that would immediately go to the rates in Burlington. Um, so, um, you know, some people are making the calculation that uh, maybe it's not necessary. Maybe uh, they want to take that risk. I don't think that's a risk that's uh, appropriate, but it's also not my call. Mm -hmm. On uh, the education proposals, um, again, give us an update here where things stand. Another new proposal yesterday really getting at this excess spending. Yeah, they signed the uh, conference report yesterday. Um, the one thing about the excess spending penalty that has been put in place in prior years to try to bring spending down, um, particularly for high spending towns, is it has not applied to very many towns. Actually, um, only one because of some of the uh, exceptions to the, to the spending penalty. So um, what this does, um, the proposal that was put into the conference report, is it makes uh, an adjustable uh, spending level for each town, and if you spend over that, um, your tax rate will be double. Mm -hmm. um, so back on the tax bill, what's the latest that you, your discussions with the governors? It, I mean, is this sort of war of words here about who's taxing more? Is this going on? I mean, what what are what are people supposed to make of this? I wouldn't say that it's a war of words. I think that it's just a matter of presenting what uh, the timelines look like and what people have proposed. Um, you know, quite frankly. Uh, there's always this type of disagreement at the end of the session. This is nothing new. Um, and, uh, you know, my hope is that we can resolve it. If we can't resolve it, 
um, then uh, we'll move forward and uh, the governor can decide what he wants to do. Where, so what if he vetoes this? What happens next? I mean, is there... What happens next? Can you can you override it? You think you got enough votes to override a veto? Well, let's see what happens. Uh, you know, over the next couple uh, days, I really don't think that it's useful to uh, make any predictions about whether it'll be a veto or not. Um, you know, te tempers do run a little hot at the end of the uh, session, um, and I don't think we really need to feed that by getting into a discussion about a veto. Okay. What else is left? after that there's the economic development bill um the child protection bill uh so that's um those are the two other major uh items that are outstanding you know i was looking back i actually had a list i had an index card of one of the first couple of shows that i did here at the beginning of january and at the top of it it said property taxes have do you feel that there's been a satisfactory effort made on that you know, we took a look at possible alternatives to the funding system that we have now, um, and none of them really um, worked particularly well. And I think we all acknowledge that uh, the issue really in the end is the cost of the education system that does drive the property tax rates. Um, the property tax rates are going to go up a little bit this year, but not much. Um, we, I think, have put in place something that is uh, going to restrain spending. And I think the long-term implications of what we're going to do are uh, going to be really critically important, uh, not only from a cost perspective, but I think actually from a quality of education perspective, too. So, um, you know, while it may not be immediately evident um, in your property tax bills, this next year, I think over time, what we're putting in place will help moderate the growth. Mm -hmm. Two other uh, bills I want to ask you about. Um, the vaccination uh, that passed the House this week. Can you explain to people, so how did this happen? Something that was not a priority and, uh, and now is one that actually made it, made it past the finish line. You know, the issue of vaccinations was uh, pretty front and center at the beginning of the legislative session because of the outbreak of measles in California. Um, and it wasn't really clear whether there was consensus within the legislature about what direction we should go in. And uh, because we had so many other things that were sort of uh, top of mind, water, uh, education, energy, budget, healthcare, we thought we ought to focus on those things, economic development and jobs. Um, it, you know, the, there was a, a push in the Senate uh, to um, remove the philosophical exemption. It came over here. We had a, a period of time where we felt we could uh, commit uh, our healthcare committee to look at the issue into some depth and um, made a decision that it was ready to go to the floor. Um, this was not a caucus issue. I don't think that anybody really knew what the result would be uh, when it went to the floor. Um, but we thought that the issue itself was important enough to bring to the floor once it had been um, brought up. The lake or, and the water bill that passed, significance on a scale of 1 to 10, where would you rate this? I think it's an 8 or a 9. I mean, I think that it really uh, does a couple things. One, I think it sets us on a course um, for the long-term cleanup of the lake. And I think more importantly, it allows us to do it in a Vermont way rather than having the uh, EPA mandate how we would move forward. So um, I think that 
you know, uh, will we see immediate benefits from it? Uh, probably not. Uh, but I think, you know, five, ten years from now, we'll look back at this as a pretty significant event. I, I know there's a lot um, in play right now, but, you know, generally speaking, give me your sense if things work out the way they seem to be working out today. Uh, what do you think is going to have the biggest impact on people's lives that you've done here in 2015? Well, I think that the uh, things that will have the biggest impact over time will be the Lake Bill. Um, I think the education bill will be significant over time. Uh, and then more immediately, if we can um, put some money towards uh, premium assistance and copay assistance for people who are buying plans under the exchange, uh, that will have some pretty immediate impact as well. So, you know, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, it's hard to really sort through everything while you're in the middle of it. Um, but I think over time, people are going to realize that very significant actions were taken this year. When we spoke a week ago, it was not clear to the extent that it is now the allegations against Senator McAllister. Give me your thoughts now a week later. Well, I mean, they're extremely troubling. And, uh, you know, it's it's difficult uh, to hear um, as somebody who served with him for um, 13 years. Uh, but it's really, really um, troubling uh, what's been alleged. And um, if if they are proven, um, I think that he needs to go to jail for a long time. Is there something that people here could have done more? I don't know. Uh, you know, I I have read like everybody else um, that there were concerns that were expressed by at least one legislator uh, years ago. Uh, but I'm unaware of any other allegations. Um, I was not aware of that allegation before I came out last week. So um, I, I don't know what we could have done uh, in legislative leadership. Uh, so, What's it going to take to get out of here tomorrow? What's going to be the likely holdup? I think we're going to get out of here tomorrow. Um, and uh, we're going to work to remove any holdups. Okay. All right. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it very much. That's uh, Speaker of the House, Shep Smith. You can join us on the program at 244-1777 is our local number. Toll free, 877-291-8255. All right. As um, you heard the speaker mention there, there really is quite a bit uh, that is still to be determined here. Things are getting close. I've had a number of discussions with uh, folks this morning. It really seems as though the the uh the the budget is uh pretty close uh this tax bill we'll get an update here from uh jim condon who's actually on the conference committee um first we're going to take a short break we'll be back we're broadcasting live this morning at the state house in montpelier we'll be back right after these important announcements hi folks this is jerry booth vermonters drink booth brothers milk every day they know they can trust booth brothers for great tasting milk with no artificial growth hormones it's local it's fresh it's healthy and it's produced right here in central Vermont. In a world that's constantly changing, it's good to know where your milk comes from. 27 local farms with the same goal, only the freshest, the finest Booth Brothers milk. So the next time you're in a dairy aisle, reach for Booth Brothers. $3,000. That's the minimum your trade is worth during Cash for Junkers. No matter what it is or how little you might think it's worth. Hi, this is Steve Sace from the new McMahon Chevy Buick in Mooresville. And I'm Ed Dever, sales manager at McMahon. During Cash for Junkers, if your trade rolls, floats, or flies and has a VIN number, 
You get a guaranteed minimum trade allowance of $3,000 toward any used vehicle we have in stock. We take almost anything in on trade. Trucks, sleds, planes, skitters. Skitters, huh? Well, why not? If you get your skitter here, we'll take it. We'll take just about anything else. With Cash for Junkers, you'll get a trade allowance of at least $3,000 towards any used car, truck, and not two lots. And if your trade's worth more, you'll get more. Come see us today or check our used inventory out online at McMahonChevrolet.com. The new McMahon and McMahon's Import Corner, where we always have a great selection of late model imports. At the corner of Route 15 and Route 100 in Mooresville, now is the time to get out of that old beater and into something more reliable. Cash for Junkers, only at McMahon and McMahon's Import Corner. We make deals the other guys won't. Chevy, buy new roads. Stop and dream for a moment. Imagine. Imagine having a college degree in two years. Imagine graduating debt-free. Imagine getting a better job. Imagine fitting college into your life. Imagine the example you're setting. Imagine how proud you'll be on graduation day. Imagine having the career that you want. Imagine yourself at CCV. Community College of Vermont. Because we help you turn your dream into reality. Register now. ccv.edu slash imagine. You have a basic idea of how you want your completed new kitchen and bath project to look and to function, but the selection of products available to achieve your goals is seemingly endless. It's not enough to visit a big showroom and ask assistance from a sales clerk. This is Dana Wiles at the Country Home Center. We're tucked away in Morrisville, but many of Vermont's leading contractors agree that Country Home Center's kitchen and bath inventory and design service is one of the finest in the area. Brian Hill heads up our kitchen and bath design team. They know what products are available to meet your tastes, needs, and budget. From consultations in the store and at your home, they'll create 3D full-color designs of your proposed project. They'll be with you from concept to completion. Email Brian Hill, spelled with a Y, at brianhillchc at comcast.net. Your new kitchen or bath begins and ends at Country Home Center. Visit us at countryhomecenter.net. You know, old old John McKenzie started out just curing hams and bacon. That was his thing. Bill McKenzie talks about McKenzie Deli Meats. Over the last few years, we've really uh, decided to uh, expand the deli business. The first step was just to make a real quality product and then it's, at some point we decided that, that the all natural was really the way to go. We have a turkey line that's all natural. Antibiotic free. We've got all natural roast beef and all natural ham. Really going good. McKenzie Meats. Available wherever fine meats are sold. All right, back at the State House in Montpelier. Joining us right now, let's give a nice warm radio from my welcome this morning to the Senate President, John Campbell. John, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Mark. So uh, we just spoke with the Speaker. Things still very much in play. Let me get a sense of where you think things are. How, how close are things here, tax-wise, budget-wise, otherwise? It's, it's, it's one of those uh, last few days flux. Um, you know, we have a situation where, um, you know, obviously we have uh, we're st- have a few differences between the House and the Senate, but of course, uh, more importantly, uh, the House and the Senate have some uh, distance to go uh, between uh, the gov- with the governor. The governor seems to really be portraying the legislature as the big taxers, the big spenders. It's easy for the governor to say that from where he sits. I mean, he's not the one uh, who's trying to put this together and keep in mind of all the different um, constituencies that uh, what our decisions will be affecting. Uh, the governor uh, had put together, uh, he wanted to do a $90 million tax package himself. That was an employer assessment um, that we found to be uh, absolutely not acceptable. So we are left right now trying to find out uh, what we can do 
to um, uh, to raise this revenue, and no one likes to raise revenue because uh, there's always somebody who's got to pay that that bill. And unfortunately, you know, we are in a situation now uh, due to the skyrocketing healthcare costs um, and also the education costs that um, we're finding ourselves in a, in a real pickle. The governor seemed to be really uh, intent this week on charitable deductions, removing that. The latest Senate proposal does. Uh, so is this going to get, this sounds like it might be getting close. Well, it is. I, I personally uh, agree with the governor on the charitable deduction issue. I, I think that um, uh, that uh, you know certainly it was a, a good, a worthy place to look at. But I just feel that um, there are other places we can go that um, would probably be more effective. I know we only have a couple of minutes. Yesterday, you uh, introduced a, uh, a proposal dealing with the energy bill and citing. So why did you wait until then to raise this idea? I guess the question is not why did I wait till the till then. Why didn't this happen before? I am extremely upset with the public service department, and when they came up with this draft, that they didn't really even take into consideration the municipalities and the towns and the people around this state, uh, and giving them a voice as to what happens with siting and location of the solar uh, arrays. I am absolutely 100% for renewable energy. I do like solar. I think it's a it's a great way to go. But when all of a sudden, when we extended the net metering, the, the credits, tax credits. There were companies, uh, well, I call it very irresponsible companies that came out and started just putting them any place they wanted because they knew that they didn't have any control. Montpelier was not going to stop their location and not tell them that they had a shield in a certain way. I, when that bill came over, we expected that to be dealt with the ha- by the House. The House tells, I heard in one report saying that they didn't have enough time to really look into it. Um, I think that that really just sits on the, uh, uh, the chair's lap, quite frankly. And um, the way, when I found that out, which we just received the bill within the last month, um, and for our, then uh, to find out that there was no siting requirements, that's when I went to work to try to find something uh, that was going to be able to protect the municipalities, protect the towns, protect those people who feel that you know they want to, if they buy their property and they have property, that they don't have to go looking right out uh, next door into a huge uh, solar array. Okay, but why not bring it up? If you knew about it a month ago, why not bring it up? A we did bring it up a month ago, and it was supposed to be taken, you know, dealt with. And there was testimony, but it seems that the um, uh, developers um, were uh, a lot. They had more lobbyists in the uh, in the um, uh, our, in fact, our committee, Senate committee. When I found that out, because uh, I didn't find out that we didn't do anything until about two weeks ago, actually. So. Okay. It comes down to it's uh, as you know we were dealing with the water bill and a few quite a few other things and um, I just think that it's uh, irresponsible for the public service department uh, not to have taken this into consideration. Is it? I don't understand why. Why is it the public service department? Isn't it the Senate Natural Resources? Well, no, actually, well, up? the public service department was the one that actually started with this bill, with the energy bill that they're talking about, and I think that they have a responsibility also if they're going to promote uh, something like a. Uh, uh, the Act 248 and solar and renewables, they should take into consideration what towns and municipalities, uh, you know, what they have to say. They, you know, that's the problem. We went and looked um, in our uh, zest for renewables, which is great. We all want to get there. But 
they um, came in and it was one of those situations where uh, I think the re- renewable uh, companies said they were going to be really good stewards of the land. We're going to uh, we're going to interact with the towns. We're going to talk to them. We're not going to do anything that they don't want us to do, and it's been anything but that. Um, one question on Senator McAllister: Is there anything looking back now, John, that you feel that you or anybody else in a leadership position here in Montpelier could have done differently? No, in fact, uh, I, I, I've asked that question many, many times. I mean, this was a situation that happened, as you know, from reading the, the affidavit, um, you know, mostly on his farm. And then there was a question of whether he had an intern here, um, which is something that I didn't, I didn't know about until the very, until actually it was her last day. And I just happened to run across her and him in the, in the cafeteria. Um, but what it does lead in, in hindsight, um, we are definitely not, uh, right now. Um, uh, we will have any future in the future sessions that if any legislature has an intern, um, they will be registering with their sergeant of arms, and they'll have to go through an, a full an entire um, briefing as to um, make sure that anyone who's there has uh, sufficient protections, um, especially in the case of uh, what what you, what you heard. And the latest you've heard is that he's still not going to resign, correct? That's what I heard yesterday. And then so the committee on committees met and um, supported the letter that the uh, lieutenant governor sent to um, Senator McAllister and telling him that he's uh, no longer going to be on uh, the committees uh, of of uh, agriculture and institutions. Have you talked to him? Have you called him? No, I haven't. I haven't talked to him. And... Um, you know, this is a situation where uh, I uh, just believe that under the um, the best thing he could do right now for himself, for his constituency, is to resign. I, th- I don't think he can continue uh, to be effective at all under um, uh, the cloud that he is uh, or the cloud that he's under right now. Um, again, there's uh, he has the whole legal system that, he, uh, uh, that he's going to go through. But as far as I'm concerned, based on what we've heard and what the affidavits were and statements that he made um i'm truly concerned and and also i believe very strongly the fact that there are victims in this in this issue in this uh, instance and um it would be hard for me to see um someone uh, continue to sit as a senator or a legislator uh, and um, knowing that there are victims at home wondering why so really, 2020, even with 2020 hindsight, nothing that you see that could have been done differently, you would have done differently. Uh, no, I, I really don't. I mean, again, it might the unless you've known all the facts, I don't. I don't think that there's anything really that could be done. I mean, could that have been done from other people that might have had another knowledge, uh, possibly? But I, I can't go into the minds of other folks. What's it going to take to get out of this building tomorrow, John? Um, the House and the Senate getting together with the budget and the tax package. And whatever happens, if the governor is, uh, is not happy with it, if he decides to veto the, uh, the budget, uh, or we put together, so that's, so be it. You know, we're, we're doing our work. We have to do it best, what, uh, in a manner that we feel is, uh, represents what is the best for our constituencies, and that's what we'll do. Thank you for your time. Great. Thanks, Appreciate Mark. it. John Campbell is the Senate president, um, and uh, they're, as you heard him mention, uh, close on a number of areas, um, less close on a few others as well.
Uh, you can join us on the program this morning at 244-1777. That's our local number in central Vermont. You can also reach us on our toll-free lines at 877-291-8255. Let me take a moment of your time to remind you about one of our great sponsors on the program, our friends up in the beautiful Lake Champlain Islands at Shore Acres and Restaurant, now open for the season. Always happy to be able to tell you about that. A uh, great locale in beautiful North Hero, Vermont. Really an exceptional spot right there on the shores of Lake Champlain, literally. And uh, you can call them to make reservations. Might not, you know, tonight would be a beautiful night for you to head up to the islands for dinner. And you could do that easily. And uh, give them a jingle. Bring many of your friends so that then you can make a reservation at 372-8722. That's 372-8722. Shore Acres Inn Restaurants in beautiful North Hero, Vermont. Short drive away. Just scoot on up the interstate there. Get off at exit 17, Champlain Islands. Go through South Hero, then Grand Isle. North Hero is uh, right over the drawbridge there. And then uh, just a short distance down on the right-hand side of the road, you'll uh, head down into the beautiful resort that is Shore Acres Inn Restaurant. 23 tastefully decorated rooms. Susan Tramby has the touch. And you uh, can um, check out the rooms. You can actually take a virtual tour of them if you go through their website at shoreacres.com. Again, you can call them to make reservations for those busy summer months. Why not get that done right now? And you can call them at 372-8722, Shore Acres Inn and Restaurant in beautiful North Hero, Vermont. It is just a short drive, but another world away. The governor joins us coming up at about 1010. Uh, we have uh, a few other people lined up, but uh, uh, frankly, this is one of those mornings where things are really in flux. Uh, the lieutenant governor is expected to be joining us uh, after uh, the governor joins us, but uh, they may still be on the floor. The uh, Senate was literally just going on the floor as, as we speak. Uh, the Senate president was heading down uh, right to that, so uh, whether or not we... Uh, all the guests we're supposed to have on this morning, it is, well, as I heard mentioned, it's uh, all in a state of flux. Our numbers on the program, if you have any comments or questions about some of the issues that have already come up, maybe you want to bring a new one to the table, you can join us at 244-1777. That's our local number in central Vermont. And you can also reach us on our toll-free lines at 877-291-8255. Um, just to give you a, a flavor here of how things happen in the final days of the session, uh, the you know usually uh, quite chatty uh, Jim Condon, Representative Jim Condon, who introduces the program, my former radio partner here. Uh, here's what he had to say this morning about where things stand. Uh, he's on the conference committee when it comes to the tax bill. Are you going to be able to wrap up the tax bill today? Well, Mark, it's, uh, it's a little too early to say. Uh, I think by uh, mid-afternoon we'll have a better idea on that. The uh, governor seems to be portraying the legislature now as the, the tax and spenders. <laughs> well, uh, considering the tax package and spending package he uh, put forth in January as, uh, as an interesting, uh, interesting tack for the, for the governor. So what's it going to take to, to have this um, get settled today? Well, there has to be agreement between the uh, the two uh, committees, the House and the Senate. Um, okay, well, I learned it's that. It's not insurmountable. I, I learned that in school. Yeah, it's not insurmountable, but there has to be agreement on a, on a host of various issues. You think you're close? I think we're pretty close. 
I think it's uh, not insurmountable that we can get that done. And at the end of this, it really looks as though it's going to be mostly changes to the tax system, uh, removing deductions or capping deductions. Tell me your thoughts in general on that. Well, yeah, that's, uh, as you mentioned, one of the areas of, uh, uh, of disagreement right now, which deductions should be targeted, if any. Um, so I think that's where the discussion is probably going to bring us. Anything you want to add? Uh, no, not at this moment. <laughs> All right, that was Representative Jim Condon, uh, usually a very voluble guy, I guess I would describe it as, uh, not being terribly forthcoming when it comes to where things stand. As you heard us mentioning with a couple of the guests, here is where the latest is on the tax proposal. The Senate has put out this proposal, which the, the House is now considering, this one that has now evolved again. And here's, so here's the bottom line on this. This would remove this tax deduction that the governor presented early in the session, this one about not allowing you to uh, take as a deduction your taxes from the year before. No, no one seems to be arguing terribly on that one. The point of contention is the other half of this proposal, which would, uh, for people that itemize their deductions, would cap that deduction at twice what is called the standard deduction, what everybody, you know, what what most people are taking on their taxes, and then you double that. So, and then carved out of that would be uh, an allowance for charitable deductions and the deductions of uh, medical expenses if they reach this incredibly high number that they have to reach in order for you to even get any kind of a deduction. So the governor was really jawboning this week about removing this charitable deduction. He's apparently been successful in that. So this uh, may get past him. Uh, that's sort of one of the key players here. So we'll find out from him. One of the key questions for the governor coming up at about 10.10 this morning will be whether or not that is uh, satisfactory in terms of what he was looking for on the tax bill. As you heard the speaker mention, as you heard the governor mention last week, there does seem to be an effort on the part of these two different uh, players, different sides here, to present the other one as really the one who's driving the uh, the taxes here. So just keep your eye out on that. That's why I'm here. 244-1777 is our local number. Toll free, you can reach us at 1-877-291-8255. One of the questions that I had this week, I know many of you had this week, was um, involved the Senator McAllister case and how it was and how it could be that people that were living with him in an apartment, sharing an apartment here in Montpelier, could um, have not been uh, more aware of what was going on and noticed something. Uh, Senator Kevin Mullen is one of uh, was one of the roommates of. Um, Senator McAllister, I did catch up with him this morning. I will share that interview with you shortly. Let's take a call from Lincoln. Owen, how are you this morning? I'm good, Mark. Um, Mark, I, I don't know if I fully understand the education bill and this excess spending penalty, so I wanted to run it by you. It, um, it seems to be that they're saying that with excess spending, the tax rate will be doubled. Um, does that mean that only the people paying property tax will have their tax rate doubled and the, of the other 70% um, who pay income-based uh, won't have any penalty at all, will be held harmless. Mm, okay. Um, 
let me see if I understand this too, because the way this has changed a little bit, uh, the um, the the excess spending cap used to kick in at a level when your town got your town budget, your school budget got up higher than twenty three percent higher than the statewide average. So the the penalty applies through the tax rate, which you know I. I Definitely people who are income sensitive, I think you can safely say, would have a smaller impact than those that don't. I don't think it's a complete pass-through or a free ride, but I think the impact would be significantly less significant on those that are paying via income tax. Is that helpful? Yeah, so my concern would be with with 70% of the people pretty much held harmless um is it really going to be a deterrent excess spending um you know most of the young people who have kids are fall into that category of being income sensitive by fact of age and career status yeah though you know the the numbers that i heard them talking about this morning in terms of the penalty are going to be pretty significant so that it might really have an impact on everybody even if you're income sensitive a big enough impact on the income sensitive people to you know really be felt i i don't know though i mean it's a it's a fair question and it's again you know it it changed a bit from uh just you know the last 48 hours right let me see what else i can find out this morning on that thank you mark thank you for your call it's a good question 244 because you know one of the one of the questions one of the concerns one of the criticisms of act 60 early on was just that concern that if um, your taxes went up in your community, in many cases, I know you know it happened to me. You just got a bigger refund, bigger rebate, and so that was the design there of Act 68 was to try to correct that. So, um, and they, you know, again, they're trying to get at that uh, the excess spending and giving communities some say in this. You know, if you want to spend higher, you're going to pay more, but at least you've got some say in the matter. We'll take a short break. We'll be uh, back here at the State House. Coming up next, I'll share with you uh, some of the thoughts and comments this morning from uh, Senator Kevin Mullen. We'll be back at the State House right after this. It's no secret Mahiran Supermarket is a great place to shop. I'm Tom Mahiran. For over seven decades, Mahiran's has been catering to the needs of the Mad River Valley and beyond. We have custom-cut meats, fresh produce and seafood, regular and organic grocery, locally produced foods galore topped off by an extraordinary wine and beer department and a state liquor agency. Shop me here in Supermarket, Village Square Shopping Center, Waitsfield. Kiss your gas goodbye with a new Ford Energy at Lamoille Valley Ford. Hi folks, I'm Dan Keen, owner of Lamoille Valley. The Ford C-Max and Fusion Energies are plug-in hybrids that are rated to get the equivalent of 88 miles per gallon. The energies simply recharge in any household outlet, and we have many friends and customers who rarely buy gas if their daily commute is under 30 miles. In fact, I just got back from a meeting in Boston, and I drove my own Ford Energy down and back and spent less than $17 on gas. So to kick off summer, we've loaded up on Ford Energies at Lamoille Valley Ford, and we have an awesome lease deal for you. Right now, with just $9.99 down plus tax and reg fees and first payment, qualified buyers can get a two-year lease on a loaded C-Max Energy starting at just $1.99 a month or a Fusion Energy at $2.29. So drive Route 14, 15, or 16 to Hardwick and Lamoille Valley Ford. Go green and kiss your gas goodbye with a new Ford Energy at Lamoille Valley Ford. The Sealy Memorial.
Memorial Day mattress sale is now in progress at Hooker's Furniture. Save 40 to 60% storewide featuring Sealy Posturepedic with the core support center for maximum comfort and support. Save now on the Sealy Optimum Cool Gel Memory Foam and the Hybrid Half Memory Foam Half Inner Spring Mattress. Whatever you do in bed, Sealy supports it with fantastic savings of up to 60% off. During the Sealy Memorial Day sale, only at your betting experts. Hooker's Furniture on Route 100 and Waterbury Center. So drive a little and save a lot. Jack Castellaneta Formula Nissan is saving people money by keeping things simple. But this month, you've really simplified. 0% financing for up to 72 months to qualify buyers on six of our most popular Nissan models. That's almost every vehicle on our lot. It doesn't get much simpler than that. Or much cheaper. Choose Altima, Sentra, Maxima, even Titan pickups and get 0% financing for 72 months. Pathfinder and Rogue get 0% for 60 months. Plus, your trade is worth more than ever right now. We sold a ton of quality pre-owned vehicles in April, and now we need good trades. Bring your car, truck, SUV to us. We'll make you an offer on it even if you don't buy from us. All the selection you need and 0% financing for up to 72 months on the most popular Nissans in America. It's the ride of your life sale going on right now at Formula Nissan. We're on the Barry Montpelier Road next to Pizza Hut and at FormulaNissan.com. Let us show you how easy it is to do business here. Financing and approved credit offers end May 31st. Having a new website designed? Think beyond PCs, whose sales are dropping worldwide. PowerShift and Stow designs responsive websites which work beautifully on smartphones, tablets, and computers. It's a fast-paced world. People want your information now, on the go. Your webpage needs to look professional and function quickly and easily on all devices. PowerShift designers work with you side-by-side and can teach you to manage your site without unnecessary expense and hassle. PowerShift and Stow. PShift.com. It's always wonderful when uh, you have a question that a listener asks you, and then somebody walks by, you can give you an immediate answer. Representative Dave Sharp is chair of the House Education Committee. I uh, just got a call from Lincoln. Owen wanted to know if the uh, threshold, the um, excess spending threshold gets hit in the proposal that's being talked about. Would it impact people that are income-sensitive at all or less than those that aren't income sensitive so mark it's good to stop by and um, good morning sorry <laughs> good morning uh the way the way uh the threshold works is that the same way the current threshold works and that is uh for each dollar you spend over the threshold uh your per pupil uh costs uh grow by a dollar so the tax rates both the residential and the uh income rates are determined by by that uh, per pupil expenditure, so it affects both rates uh, proportionally. Okay, so equally, huh? So how does it how does it increase? Where does it? If I'm income sensitive, how does it get to me? How does it negatively impact me? So the the way it works is you take your per pupil costs, whatever they are. Let's okay. say they're sixteen thousand, and and I'm going to make up numbers yeah. just because the math is easier. And let's say the base calculator base calculation rate is 8000 so that's double right so that would double the base uh penny rate from 99 cents to uh $1.98 okay. and it would double the income rate from 1.8% to 3.6%. I see. Okay, it's that second part that I wasn't clear on. Yeah. All right. Uh how are things looking with this with this um getting this done today? L- 
Um, it'll be late today. I, I think the uh, agreement is that uh, uh, legislators get 24 hours to read the document, and the document was available late yesterday. So uh, if if uh, rules are not suspended um, further than normal, then it'll be late today. That'll be taken up. In terms of the message that you were sent by uh, taxpayers, I was telling uh, John Campbell and the speaker, I had this sheet of one of the first couple of weeks that I was here, and it said property taxes at the top. On a scale of 1 to 10, how effectively do you think you've dealt with the problem? Eight. Um, I feel uh, very positive about the work we did, both in res- in response to uh, better ec- uh, educational opportunities for students in some areas of the state and uh, downward pressure on the spent expenditures. Thanks for your time. Good luck. All right. Representative Dave Sharp is uh, chair of the House Education Committee. As I mentioned, I caught up earlier this morning with Senator Kevin Mullen. I wanted to ask him about his um, uh, relationship and experience with Senator Norm McAllister. Uh, I also caught up with him. He's a key player in the Senate Economic Development Bill, a bill that uh, many say has been greatly watered down. Uh, We start with the Senator's comments on uh, the Economic Development Bill, and then he shared his thoughts on Senator McAllister and what, if anything, he, um, Senator Mullen, could have uh, done differently. Um, What the House did was they are using monies that are in the Enterprise Fund that we established last year. The Enterprise Fund was established to um, create uh, a pool of monies that the administration would have in case a large regional employer were um, on the verge of relocation or to attract a new large employer to a region. And what we're being told by the administration is that they're in conversations with several companies um, and may need the use of those funds. If you remember what happened was we had appropriated 4.5 million last year and that was in anticipation of what was going to happen with IBM. There was a lot of uncertainty on what was going to happen. At the budget rescission in July, $2 million was taken from that, so it left $2.5 million. And the good news is, is that those jobs are still in Vermont, and the even better news is, is that Global Foundry has... Um, given us every indication to believe that jobs are going to remain in Vermont and they're not looking for state assistance. But there are several several other companies um, that the administration has pinpointed and is working with and I'm not able to disclose any of the names of, of those enterprises but suffice it to say basically if you're going to pay for an economic development bill with that money what I've likened it to in the conference committee is that you go to the hospital and you have blood removed out of your left arm to then have a transfusion into your right arm it doesn't make any sense to me and to be quite honest with you the largest amount of the money that is spent on the house side in that bill is 500 grand on a marketing proposal of which probably more than half of it would just be the plan. So I'm not buying the argument by the House that um, it's a bird in the hand versus um, something else because I'm not sure that a plan is a bird in the hand where real jobs with good benefits is. 
and I hope the administration is being straightforward and that they really are close to, uh, um, you know, bringing some new jobs to the state. So is this bill, I mean, the, the way it's been kind of whittled down, watered down, I'm not quite sure the right term. I mean, is it really going to have any oomph by the end? It'll have some oomph. It'll uh, definitely give um, the Vermont Economic Progress Council some ability to um, make some additional loans through the veggie program. It's um, going to raise the cap on um, the amount that someone could lend somebody. So say that you had this great idea to start a business. If you went to a friend now, he could only loan you up to $75,000 without becoming a licensed lender. And this would give the ability to go up to 250000 So that's a help. We also have language in there that um, the Department of Financial Regulation, <coughs> excuse me, Mark, has agreed to do a study on peer-to-peer -peer lending. We had um, a really good presentation from Tom Lozon from the Barry area. And he is actually, um, because he has some resources, made a couple of loans to two businesses in the Barry area that have been successful. And if we could somehow create some incentives for other successful Vermonters to invest in startups, it, it would be a very positive move. Um, you know, there are pieces throughout the bill that move us in the right direction. I mean, we're we're protecting the ability for General Dynamics to um, do testing and research on suppressors. That could be as many as 100 jobs that um, we can safely keep within Vermont borders. Um, we have a lot of different language on workforce development that tries to improve the flow through our career technical education centers, um, through internship programs that could be a meaningful difference for uh, people um, starting out their careers. So I think overall it's it will be a good bill as long as we can get to the finish line and the question is we have a day to do it. I want to ask you, as I mentioned before we started, I want to ask you about um, Senator McAllister. I guess my first question is last Friday here it was a little unclear um, how significant these charges were. What, what was your reaction when you first heard about it? Well, I think my first reaction was I couldn't believe it, and, um, you know, I, I think I've, I, along with many others, you know, were just stunned by it and didn't know what to make of it. And then Friday afternoon when the um, affidavit of arraignment came out, it was just uh, horrifying, and uh, um, then it, it just went to the next phase of just not even being, being able to comprehend and you want to believe that um, someone that you consider to be a friend um, could never do anything that heinous, horrific. But on the same token, you just never know what is the truth. Um, cer certainly Senator McAllister knows the truth and the victims know the truth. Other than that, none of the rest of us do. And we have to let law enforcement do their job and get to the bottom of this. I mean, in the best of all possible worlds, we have to hope as a friend of his that he's cleared but after reading that troubling affidavit um, I, I don't know what to believe Mark do you feel like you miss something you know I, I keep playing everything back and forward in my mind and 
You know, because I worked on S1 after the Brooke Bennett case. And, you know, so if there was a sign, I should have seen it. I mean, because we certainly talked about back then that everybody has to really be paying attention and be looking. And, you know, I, I just didn't see any sign. And there are people that are wondering, you know, how you could be his roommate and wonder, you know, how you how you could miss this. Uh, I mean, Mark, the way it was presented to myself and the third roommate is that this was a young lady that um, came from um, a, a background that um, didn't have a lot of money, didn't have... Um, a lot of foundation and that he was trying to help her um, bring her to Montpelier to associate her with professionals trying to um, get her away from what he thought um, was an environment that would lead to substance abuse and other things and you know we bought it hook line and sinker and I hope that is the truth but you don't know what to believe at this point you think he, like many others, should resign? I do. Why? Um, even if he's innocent, um, he should be devoting his full time to clearing his name, preparing for his defense, and he cannot adequately represent the people of Franklin County at this point in time. And even if he's completely innocent, I hope he would understand that... Um, it's not going to do any good for the institution of the Senate or for his constituents to do this. And it's not any good for him either. He needs to really work on clearing his name if he is indeed innocent. Yeah, everybody wants to mind their own business. But, you know, this was a woman that even by your own account looked very, very young, was being portrayed as somebody working for him. Uh, I mean, it, didn't it just not add up to you? Well, I can tell you that um, I was never comfortable about the situation. But, you know, she seemed so happy to come to Montpelier. And there was just no sign that she was a victim in any way. Is it fair for people to question you and Timmy? Well, I think it's any, people are going to wonder. Um, but, I, you know, all I can say is that I wonder myself if there was something I couldn't have seen. And I keep playing it back and forth, Mark, and I just can't find anything that Tim or I would have seen. I mean, we never heard anything inappropriate. We never saw anything inappropriate. And... Like I said, she seemed excited to be coming to Mount Pillar and, and um, doing things. So it just didn't, the, the whole thing makes no sense. Senator Kevin Mullen, who I caught up with at uh, about 8.30 this morning here at the State House in Montpelier. 
uh, one of the two roommates you heard me reference, uh, Tim Corcoran, who's the other roommate. That's going to wrap things up for hour number one. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. We'll get our White House report, then kick off our discussion with uh, Governor Shumlin will be joining us. Not really sure what else will be happening next hour. Things are really in flux here on our hopefully final Friday here at the State House in Montpelier. Coming up Monday on the program, we have the author of a book called Descent. We're going to talk about some of uh, the upheavals that have happened here in this country, including most recently cases down in uh, Baltimore and also out in Missouri. I'll be coming up on the program on Monday. Tuesday, water expert Maude Barlow joins us, and then Wednesday and Thursday at the Vermont Business Expo. FM 96.1 WDEV Warren, AM 550 WDEV Waterbury Montpelier. News is next. AP Radio.